morning, Destiny, and welcome. Welcome, welcome. Father God, thank you, Lord, that we would all just, just come together and clear our minds and clear our hearts that we may go before our Father this morning. We've already been doing so this morning prior to service starting, and now we invite you to just join in with us as we, con as we continue this morning of worship to our Lord and Savior, to our Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We praise you, O God. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Father God. We don't come immediately just asking you for anything, but we come to recognize who you are. You are sovereign, Lord. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You sit on high, but you look low. You are concerned with everything that concerns us, Father God. We thank you, Lord. You care about us so much, you know every single hair upon our heads. And Father God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your great love and for your compassion. I thank you, Lord. Lord, that there is nothing that you cannot do and if we connect ourselves with you we join ourselves with you then we too have access and there is nothing that is impossible for us in this earth we thank you right now father god that you have given us the victory so when we encounter a situation we aren't looking for victory or crying and begging for victory we enter into that situation from a place of victory that was won by your son jesus christ we thank you oh god that you have poured out your love on us we are loved by God, the one who spoke and created all of this. He spoke and created the heavens. He spoke and told the waters, you can only go so far and no farther will you go. We are loved by that great God. We are loved by him. So my sisters and my brothers, if you do not understand, if you have not received that, I pray right now that you would open up your hearts. Father God, I bind up every wicked, lying, pernicious spirit right now that would keep your children from hearing your voice. We bind them up right now in the name of Jesus. We lose truth. We lose power. We lose love and a sound mind, oh God, right now into this house that when you speak, your words would not fall on deaf ears. That when you speak through your men and women of God, that it would not fall on stony ground. We thank you right now for hearts of flesh that are being turned back to you, oh God like that prodigal son when he ran back to the father. The father didn't say, you need to get cleaned up. You got to get washed off from the world. I still smell the pig pen on you. No, he threw his arms around his son. He put that robe of righteousness back upon his shoulders. He put that hand, the ring back upon his finger and the shoes back upon his feet. And if there had been a horse there, he would have set him up on that horse so that he was no longer walking on the ground with bare feet like a slave but he would be seated on the horse as a son of the most high God, knowing his place, knowing who he is in Jesus. And so I thank you right now, Father God, as we praise and worship today, we don't praise and worship because we want something. We don't praise and worship because we need anything. We praise and worship you because you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy of all glory and of all honor and all praise. And that is what we give you because you are do it. And we thank you, Father God, that as we pour out ourselves to you, 
as we pour out our hearts to you, as we make ourselves open to you this morning, Father God, you will pour into us. We will be empty vessels, oh God, today. And I thank you, Lord, that you will fill every broken place, every crack and every crevice with your presence and with your spirit, oh God. Come into this place, oh God. Come into this place. Break the cords of wickedness and the bonds of unrighteousness, oh God. Come into this place, Lord, and have your way. We thank you, Father God. We submit and we humble ourselves to you, oh God. We don't want to show. We don't want just a good word. We want you. And I thank you right now for the word that is coming forth, oh God. I thank you, Lord, that it is coming straight from the throne room of heaven. I thank you that the man of God has been on his face before you. He has been seeking you. And no other word that has tried to minister to him, it will come forth on this morning. But it will be the pure, the unadulterated word of God that comes forth and that feeds this house, that feeds God's sheep. And I thank you, oh God, that you will receive the glory. Hallelujah. Lift up your voices and praise the living God. Hallelujah. You are worthy, oh God. You are glorious, oh God. Hallelujah. There is none greater. There is none worthy of the praise. We thank you, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Shout amen unto our Father. Amen. So it is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to share Psalm 34. Sorry, kind of be different this morning. But I want to give a little testimony real quick. And I want to thank Jesus for my husband and for his healing. I want to thank you for your prayers. I'm so blessed. And some of the songs that we sing today, actually, I listen to those to and from the hospital. Because when I fight my battles, it's through my praise, through my worship. Even though the doctor is telling you, I don't think he's going to make it, his body is septic, all this other stuff. And I'm trying to have faith. God, I know you, I know you can. And then the songs came on, and I'm like, devil, be quiet. I'm going to praise God through the hard times, through the good times, because he's worthy of it all. And everything we go through should make us stronger. Those valleys, those times of hard times, they should make us stronger. And God just moves in such a way that you have your faith is just built up and encouraged. And through what you've gone through, you can encourage others. Other, we face different things. Each one of us have a battle that we go through. And your battle will be a testimony for others. And I want us, do you have it ready, Holly? I want all of you to read Psalm 34, the Passion Translation. I want us all to read this together, okay? the whole chapter of Psalm 34. Lord, I'm bursting with joy over what you've done for me. My lips are full of perpetual praise. I'm boasting of you and all your works. So let all who are discouraged take heart in it. Join me, everyone. Let's praise the Lord together. Let's make him famous. 
Let's make his name glorious to all. Listen to my testimony. I cried to the Lord God in my distress, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Gaze upon him. Join your life with his, and joy will come. Your faces will glisten with glory, and you'll never wear that shame face again. When I had nothing, desperate and defeated, I cried out to the Lord, and he heard me, bringing his miracle deliverance when I needed it most. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircling me, empowering me, and showing me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Drink deeply of the pleasures of this God and experience for yourself the joyous mercy he gives to all those who turn and hide themselves in him, worship in awe and wonder all you've been made holy. For all who fear him will feast with plenty.
is Communion Sunday. If you don't have the elements, raise your hand and somebody will bring them to you. Jesus, I love you. You are so special to me. change me, Lord. Your affection toward me makes me new. I didn't, I didn't go to church when I was a kid. Once in a while, when I went and they had communion, they had the table up at the front that said, this do in remembrance of me. I remember that was on there. I always wondered what that was about. <laughs> it had the big gold thing with the cups. Depending on which church you went to, you know what I'm talking about. It passed it around. It was really, really orderly. Had to have lots of uh, ushers on that day. But we've tuned communion for our setting. But in the New Testament, they were lounging. I don't know why they ate lounging. I think they had a better plan than us. They were kind of chilled out. They were hanging out. They were just hanging out and eating, and they had communion. trying to talk from Matthew chapter 26. We'll see if that works. And maybe, maybe Acts chapter 2. <laughs> he loves you. Each time I prepare for communion, sometimes I read from different places. And listen, people, it's easy. Just Google it. And um, everywhere I read about communion, it says that it's about us remembering his death. Everywhere I read, it's about us remembering his death. And I, I've said this once before. I said, well, so remembering his death, like be grateful that he died for my sins. Of course, that's a great aspect of this. But a greater aspect is for us to do it again and again to remember his death is because I need to keep remembering his death. Because I mess up. And I need to keep remembering his death. I've, I've been a mess trying to prepare for this. I'm trying. He loves you. During the night, I woke up several times, Karen kept wondering, what's wrong with you? Because I usually sleep pretty good. I'd just be crying. I had one thought, that making me cry. How could something so brutal and violent and hurtful be the most beautiful thing that's ever happened? How can that be? 
read about. Jesus prophesied Peter's betrayal. Peter said, no way. You remember at the actual Last Supper, Jesus said, I mean, uh, Peter said, wash me all over. He's just such an eager guy. But at the same time, later that day, that very day, he denied Christ three times. It, you know, it's kind of cold out this morning. It says in the scripture that Peter was standing around a coal fire with the soldiers in the middle of the night while Jesus was being questioned. Cold. And they said, you look like Peter. You look like one of those guys. And he said, no, not me. How many times have I been Peter? And I denied him in a different way. Or I wouldn't just stand up or whatever. But in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches. Peter's a fisherman. Peter preaches. He's not Billy Graham. 3,000 people are saved. And the church begins. They didn't have a building. They just went in houses and they lounged and they ate and they took communion more and more and more. And communion is just us remembering what he did for us. It says that the blood represents a covenant, you know, the strongest kind of agreement we can have. And each time we do this, we keep, we, we, we keep agreeing that I understand that my sins are forgiven because you love me enough to die for me. So, maybe in the sense of those folks lounging around, we're just going to do this different, okay? I'm going to pray. You take that bread and eat it while I'm praying. You drink that cup and you just remember there's an agreement, the strongest agreement, that your sins are forgiven and that he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, Father. I can't get over how much you love me. I can't get over your affection for me. I can't get over the way you see me as pure because of what you did on the cross. It's finished. It's done. It's all done. And I'm okay before my Father because of what you did on the cross. Maybe I wasn't clear enough now. Y'all take that cup, drink, take the bread. It's all okay. You're forgiven. He loves you. He loves you.
hear y'all sing louder than us. No other name can restore. No other name can heal my heart. No other name but yours. No other name can save me. No other name can restore. No other name. need any other name you don't need anything else you just need him you just need his name you need to cry out to him Mm, but we try to substitute so many things 
Man, we try to pick up from every different level, from all around, from what the world thinks is right. We try to use that. We try to pick that up. And he says, all you need is my name. All you need to do is cry out to me. The healing you want will come. The peace you want will come. The strength you want will come. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you do, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm standing beside you in the storm. Cry out to me. Cry out my name and I'm right there with you. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't always have to be the big things. It's the little things. You got to take care of those little things before they become big things. But we think we can carry those. We think we can carry the pebble. So you'll take that little pebble of whatever it is in your life and you'll put it in a bag and you'll throw it on your back because you can handle that. And then another little pebble and another little pebble and another little pebble. And pretty soon you're holding about 30, 40 pounds. And now you feel like you're walking uphill everywhere you go. And he says, you don't have to carry that. He said, that's the weight I took for you. That's why I died for you. So I can carry that for you. And he'll take it right from you in a heartbeat. If you just give it to him. You just have to give it to him. You just got to let him take it. We serve a good, good father. And he loves us. He loves us in our good times and in our bad times. And we worship him this morning. We praise him this morning. We lift them high this morning. Man. It just loves us. I know how many times he showed up in my life and even the times I didn't know he was there. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to can we just praise him and whatever it's been whether it's been a little pebble uh two pebbles maybe it's been a boulder in your life that he's picked up and moved can we just lift him up this morning can we show him the praise he deserves in the house come on can we give him what he deserves for always being there always being there with us come on yes lord we love you jesus Come on. Man, it's good. Just receive that this morning. Just receive that, that he's there. He's with you every step of the way. He loves you that much. So, Father, we surrender to you this morning. Father, continue to hover over this place. Touch every chair, every person, Father. I ask you to start piercing their hearts right now with your love. Saturate us this morning with your love, Father. Let us feel a tangible presence in this house. Bring healing in this house. Bring restoration in this house. Bring life in this house. And bring light in this house. So, Father, we surrender it all to you. Have your way. Have your way in our lives and our families. And everything we do, we just lift you up and we love you. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on. Man, we serve a good God. Woo!
Good morning, good morning, good morning. Do me a favor, find somebody you hadn't seen in a bit. Give them a knuckle bump, a high five, love on them a little bit. We'll be right back.
All righty. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Destiny Church family, we love you guys. I hope everybody's having a great morning. Um, let's go ahead and get into a time of giving. If you don't know, this is the time of our worship uh, where we get to give. And I say we get to because we're blessed enough to give and we're blessed to understand God's word and the blessings that come with giving. So uh, we just, we, here at Destiny Church, we believe that it's part of our worship to give, okay? It's part of our worship and we get to give and we're excited and uh, I, I'm so proud of you guys. You guys do an amazing job of giving. I don't have to give you guys a pep talk or anything like that. Um, you guys already know that there's a lot of different ways you can give. One of my favorites, text to give or you could just, you know, uh, do the old fashioned way and give up here with the ushers. They'll be up here in the front. Uh, you could text, you can automate it. There's plenty of different ways you can do it. Uh, but this morning, uh, I want to go ahead and get you guys, uh, you could stay sitting, uh, sitting down, but I do want you to raise your hand. And what we're going to do, I told you guys last week, right? And, and I told you that uh, giving is not only physical, but it's spiritual. Okay, it's a spiritual thing that we do. And it's so important that we present to God our offering. Okay, we present to God, just like in, in the book of Genesis, right? Just like I said last week, just in the book of Genesis with Abel and Cain, it's important that we present to God our best. It's important that we present to God our offering, not just throw it in the bucket and give it, amen, God bless you. You know, it's important that we are intentional. So go ahead and raise your hand. We're going to pray. Father God, we thank you for this offering. God, this morning, we bring to you our offering, our tithes, our first fruits. God, we bring to you what uh, the best of what we have, God. We, we bless you with this, God. God, we worship you with our offering and our tithes. We worship you with our giving, Father God. And God, we ask that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, that you would work through this church, God, to impact uh, this city and this region and this state and this nation and this world, Father. God, in the name of Jesus, God. And Lord, I just ask that you'd bless every hand up, God, whether there's something in it or not, God, would you bless them, God? Would you strengthen them, God? Would you help them, God, and open their eyes that they may see how good you are in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. I love you guys. God bless you. Be right back. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You guys doing good? Man, come on, phenomenal worship. Way to get started this morning. I'm excited to see everybody. If you are new or haven't been here in a bit, I am DJ along with my wife, Jules. We get the honor to pastor here at Destiny Church, and it's the Destiny Church. There we go. Give it up for our production team. I love them guys back there. <laughs> 
Look, it doesn't bother me. I don't need a mic. I can get really loud up in here if I really want to. But we're excited to see everybody. Can we give it up for everybody watching online to our online audience? Come on, we love you guys. We have people that are sick, can't be here traveling. We understand, but we love you guys. Uh, you are family, so thanks for tuning in. And if you're new to the church, uh, you want some information about us, uh, go ahead and fill out the Connect card. Make sure you get one of those. If you need one, raise your hands. I know our ushers will get you one. If you didn't get one, they're out on Connection Point too. Uh, fill that out. Let us know that you are here. Uh, if you do that, then now we can pray for you. We can reach out to you. We can share information about Destiny. Um, so this way, I can't do that if I don't have your information. So just take a little bit of time. Fill that out. And then if you want more uh, information about Destiny Church, go ahead and download our app. That's the best way to get it. That's the best way to watch our live stream. That's the way, best way to get any information. So just scan that, download our app. Uh, it's an easy way to stay in touch and get, you know, find out about everything going on. It talks about our weekly services, everything we do, all our events. It's all on there. So please download that. Uh, we had a wonderful Next Steps today, which was a three-question Bible study method with Miss Rhonda. So I know it was like perfect. You know, you got over there, it was three steps in three seconds. I love it. That's what we're talking about. It was, it was uh, uh, the people showed up at the last minute, so we got to take care of that. Um, so if that, uh, what I love about Next Steps, this is a list of what's going on. Next week is going to be more churchy words with Brother Rick Collins. Uh, he, he started first off with churchy words. Now it's more churchy words. So if you, want, if you always hear those big words in church and you're like, I don't even know what that means, uh, come on out. This is our discipleship stuff, uh, our training, our classes. So you just pick one of those 9 o'clock on a Sunday, show up in the, the annex, the trailer next door, and we just have a classroom set up, and we love to teach you and disciple you. It says we should equip those. So that's what we're trying to do is equip the saints, give you knowledge, give you wisdom, stuff I can't preach about every single Sunday, but stuff we can present to you in a smaller form so you can ask questions and, 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 get, and get taught the way it's supposed to be. So I'm excited about that. Uh, we have small groups coming up. In fact, next week we're going to do small group training next week. So if you want to host a small group, if that's you, and I'm calling it small groups right now because I tried to do the family group thing, hasn't flipped over in my head yet. So I'm going with small group. Bear with me. I'm going to switch it over soon. Small groups. But here's the thing. They kick off uh, in March. So if you're thinking about a small group, if God put it on your heart to host something, if you've had this idea for years and never done anything, show up next week at our training so we can just walk you through it. We want to walk you through the process, how that works, get you into system so we can get people signed up and, and in your group. We're going to do rally day the weekend after that, and then we kick all those off. Uh, in March, so I'm excited about that, so please uh, come out to that, that's going to be right after service next Sunday, just hang around, and we'll meet right in here. All right, a couple other big things, night of worship coming up, you guys ready to do a night of worship? Man, it, what you get on Sunday morning is just a taste of what we can do on a night of worship, so on the 25th of February, 7 o'clock, um, be right here, it's a Friday night, so cancel all your plans. Come on out on the 25th right here, and I'm not going to give you an end time because I don't know when it's going to end. I just know we're going to seek God with all of our heart, and it's just going to be worship, y'all. We're just going to come in and, and just chase after him. So it's going to be powerful. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to get that started again. Just be here on the 25th. And if you're a young adult, that is an awesome day because we're kicking up our young adults' college and career. So if you fall into that range, you graduated high school, uh, you're trying to figure out what's next with your life, maybe you're 25, 28, you're still trying to go, I don't know what's next, I need to be connected, you can't do life alone. So what that means is we have our team. Where's Nicole and Brandon Guy? Where'd you go? They're serving with the kids, I bet you. Man, I love it when we have people that they, they serve in multiple areas. So they are leading our young adults group. And we are teaming up with uh, another church. They're coming in with us. So we have 
several young adults. They're actually going to meet at 6 o'clock that day, not 7, over at the Mexican restaurant, right? And, and free food. <laughs> Spread it out to your friends. <laughs> free food at the Mexican restaurant. And then they're going to come down here and they're going to worship with us. So uh, how old are you? Okay, it's about 30. Whatever age you are, you're good. Because we've got to get you through that so you can lead it, brother. You just keep volunteering. I'm going to have you in one of those spots soon. That's what happens right there. Make yourself known. That's what you just did. I love it. So, yeah, that's our young adults. Uh, I'm excited about that. You know, we, we took a break because we actually had a lot of young adults, and they all, well, guess what they did? They, they grew up, <laughs> and they went out, and they served in the military. They went off to college. So now we have a, a bunch more young adults that are here going, what do I do with my life? And, and we're going to get them connected to God, connected to, to, to what God wants them to do, man. We're just going to let them flourish. And it starts with worship. It starts in here uh, with our family. So I'm excited about that. So let's pray because I want to get into the word this morning. I'm excited to see what God wants to do. So, Father, we love you. Oh, we love you, we love you, we love you. And we thank you, Lord. And, Father, this morning I ask you to touch my heart. Father, let everything that comes out of my mouth be straight from you, Father God. And just, just Father, just, just, just bless everything I say, Father God. Father, let it land on the hearts and the minds of those in this room. Father, we surrender it all to you. Have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. You know, I didn't bring my water up here, babe. Can you throw me? I just, I just wanted you to get close to me again. Come on. You're looking fine today. I just want to let you know in public. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a, it was a great weekend. <laughs> Um, you missed it. It was marriage conference. We'll talk about that later. But here's what's going on. You know, we, we have been in this, uh, this discussion about relationships called Connected. And we've been walking through a Connected series, which is really good, uh, because it's all about who we're connected to in life now. And that's a good picture of a, a Wi-Fi connection, because you tend to want to go to the thing that's the strongest. So, you know, it starts out there, and, and right now you see it as, as we're connected to God, which is the number one connection all the time. But then you see all the different things below it. So marriage and dating, we, we really talked about marriage and dating for a while, and then we just went through 10 sessions in two days of marriage in our marriage conference, which was actually really nice. Uh, it was really awesome. So today, I'm going to jump down. One. I'm going to go all the way to, uh, it's going to be family and church. Can we talk about church family? How's that? Uh, let's just do that because that's a relationship that people struggle with. It's a relationship people struggle with because they get very confused about a church family. They're just like, I understand church, but what do you mean church family? Because I have a family. I don't need any more of them. You know, so we've got this misconception over what a family's supposed to be, right? So therefore, when we go into church, we're like, ah, I just want to attend on a Sunday. I'm really not interested in dealing with all the drama and all the issues that happen in church all the time. So I'm not going to call it family. I'm just going to call it a place I go on Sunday. Check the box so I can go back home. So I want to talk about that today. Uh, I want to talk about the relationships that God has for you within the church. Um, and you know, to do that, it's so awesome that we get, uh, um, Jules and I, we, I just want to start with this. We love you guys. We, we really do. We were sitting there last night, and I'm just like, I am so blown away that God would do this with us and, and surround us with people like you and trust us and trust our hearts and trust our minds and, and, and trust our love for you and anything that goes on. And then, and then I'm actually feel, I feel blessed that I, I, I'm held accountable to that. 
I feel blessed that he's trusted me enough with the sheep. That's important because I love this. This is me. Like, like if you hadn't figured out, I'm a pastor, not a preacher. You know, I can't sing. I can't do any of those things. I would much rather wrap my arms around you and just go talk to you about life. Okay, this is just part of what I have to do. It's part of a pastor's job is teaching, which luckily somebody trained me how to do throughout my life because this was never a passion of mine. <laughs> but taking care of people was, and, and that's always been and always will be. And we love that. You know, we were in the military 23 years, and one of our biggest problems with being in the military and retiring was the fact that I was lost. I was like, what do I do without my military family? I'm like, we've been overseas for eight years in a row. We had no family. You know, and back then you didn't have all the FaceTimes and everything going on. So you just didn't see your family. And all you had were the people you were, you were with. When you were deployed, all you had were the guys that you were with. You had each other's back. It was family. If you dealt with something, you went to them. Okay, so, so when I was retiring from that, I was like, wow. Because at that time I was retiring to come into ministry. But I was, I was coming into ministry with a whole different mindset. They were like, we just need somebody to handle the finances. <laughs> I was like, I can do that. I can handle finances and leadership. That stuff's easy. I said, I've been teaching that and doing that for years. So I was like, but when we got out, I was like, babe, I don't know what this is going to be like. Like, how do I survive without my military family? That's my family. I have family, and, and you all have family too. That's not, you know, the, I'm talking about the, the blood family, the um, biological family, and we don't get to choose that. And some of us like that, and some of us don't. But it, it skews the way we think about family in our lives. So I was like, what am I going to do without my military family? And what I found out is that when I retired and we pretty much dove headfirst into the church, we went from attenders to being on staff. And that just flooded me with the amount of love that was out there and the amount of people. And I realized how much of a family a church could actually be if you actually apply yourself to that, if you actually dig into that. That's what we found out. And we're, you know, it, and that was so exciting for us. We got, uh, we got to experience family this weekend. If you'd have been out here, uh, if you don't know how it works, when we do a marriage conference, this place turns into a, a conference hall with tables and decorations and everything. Uh, the foyer was all set up. I mean, we had everything going on. And we couldn't have done that without family. Like, we had people come in that have gifts and talents in the church and they help set up and they help get everything going and they cook food and they did all this stuff to make sure that the people that signed up for the conference were being fed. And not just fed, they were being fed spiritually because they cared that much about them. We had people watching kids so that, so that parents could come in here and just absorb what God wanted to do in their life. And we got to experience that because that's family. That's what we do. There was no selfish. It wasn't like, well, I'm not married, so... I'm not going to that. I'm not going to help out. That's your own thing. When are you going to do something single? Do a single conference. It's called a small group. Start one. If you need parental guidance, I'll be there. <laughs> but ultimately, it was so awesome to see everybody come together. And then we said, we wish we could have timed it at the end. Because it was like ants running around. And this place turned back into a sanctuary like faster than I've ever seen it. I'm like, this is crazy. I mean, people actually took stuff down that my wife didn't even have time to tell them, don't take that down. <laughs> and then they put it up just as fast. I was like, where were you guys when we set up? Like, the teardown crew is awesome. That's a great crew to be on because you really don't have to think. You're like, where do they go? Ugh. Follow everybody else, and you just roll. Like, you're, you're just gone. And everything turns around, and it looks so awesome. And, and, and that's family. That's what we do. 
That's what we do. So we don't get to choose a biological family, but we do get to choose a church family. You get to make a choice. And when you decide that church is more than just a place you go to, when you, when you realize that church is a place for everything, it's for healing, it's for celebration, it's for weeping, it's for grieving, it's, it's all that combined into one is what makes a church family. That's why I'm talking about it during the relationship series. Because this is a relationship that people think they can do without. Do you know that you can't have a relationship, right, without, without connection, without two people? So if all you're doing, and, and this isn't a knock on you watching at home, but if that's all you do now, you're not in relationship. You're watching church. Because the relationship's in here. You see it why as soon as we stop music and, and break, it takes 10 minutes to get everybody to sit back down. Because they're like, I haven't seen you in like 18 hours. Like, did anything happen that didn't happen that you didn't tell me about at the conference? But that's family. Okay, that's how it's supposed to be. But people have turned it all into stuff that's quick and get in, get out, check it off so you can get busy with life and, and stuff you put priorities on that, that were over what God wants to do. But in this one you do. You, you, you get to choose your family. And, and, and that comes with a lot of stuff. Being part of a family, especially building relationships, takes effort, takes sacrifice, takes investment, it takes trust, it takes involvement. That's what church is. It's just not we show up on Sunday morning and sit in our chair and then leave. All this is what family is. That's what it is. It's all that. Let me repeat that. Effort on your part. Like if you come in and then leave and go, well, nobody talked to me. Nobody did anything. I just feel horrible. Did you actually like get up and shake somebody's hand or, you know, did you go say hi to somebody? Um, Take sacrifice in a church because... You need to sacrifice your time to be with family, which means you've got to reprioritize some things in life to say, no matter what, I'm going to sacrifice what I want to put above everything else, and I'm going to put God first, and I'm going to put family first. Takes investment. You're going to invest in this. You know, we don't, we don't have members here, so if you're, you're saying, how about church membership? No, there's no, you don't pay for membership. There is no membership. You know, we have ownership which means you have responsibility. Members have rights, owners have responsibility. You don't come in here with any right. You don't get a special parking spot. I don't have one. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't use it if I did. I think it'd be kind of funny just to see if anybody else would want to park there. <laughs> but you get none of that. You get responsibility. When you own something, you take responsibility over it. And when you look around us in this room, you see family. So when you come in and choose that this is going to be your church family, you take responsibility for everybody in this room. That's what we do. We come together as one, and we support each other. That's what family's all about. But you hold those keys, right? You, you hold those keys. You get to choose what doors you open when you come in and what you don't, and how involved you get and how involved you don't get, and how much you receive out of it and how much you don't. I mean, if you want to experience the full love, then you dive in and you say, hey, what can we do? You know, this is only... And I can say this easily because this is only our second church we've ever been part of. We've, we've been here for 12 years. And I know there's people in here who've been here. Who's been longer than 12 years? Look around. It's not a whole bunch. But we have a couple. We have a couple people been here longer than 12 years. Well, I got saved like 13 years ago. <laughs> That's why I say it's my 
only our second church. The church I got saved in was our church for about a year until, they, uh, until the military sent me here. So this is the only family we've had. And slowly I've been watching it get closer and closer and closer. Why? Because we honestly care more. We honestly want to spend time with each other. We learn to like each other. We learn to draw close to each other. You know, and now as a pastor, it's really easy because I'm there for everything. I get to hold babies when they're born, and I get to be at weddings, and I get to be at funerals, and when you're sick, I get to come by and say hi. You know, there's a lot of cool things I get to do, so I get to get close, but the point is it's not just for the pastor to get close to everybody. It's for you guys to get close to each other. It's to do life together. Okay, we can't do life alone, and we live by that. Okay, we, we live by that in our church. So this is what family is. So what's the Bible say about uh, church family? So I've got some scripture here I want to go through that kind of describes what we should be. And it's what you should expect when you, when you go to a church. You know, and this is just a building. The church is the body. Um, but when you, when you attend, you should expect some stuff if you're willing to put effort in to get some stuff. Okay. So I'm going to go to Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is a verse that, that we've shared numerous times, and, and uh, you've probably read through it a lot. And it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Four things they all did. Four things they did together. The teaching, the fellowship, meals, including communion, and prayer. We took care of a lot of that already. We did communion this morning. You know, I remember when this church, we did communion on Christmas. <laughs> you can take communion every day. In fact, if you don't want to do it at home with whatever you want, bread and soda, <laughs> you can come in here and we have communion cups laid out all the time. Okay, but, but, but that's what we do together. It says that we, we, we devoted ourselves, you know, to the teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing in meals, and to prayer. Devote means to, to give over, to direct. We give ourselves to that. That's what the church was and is. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many mirac mirac uh, miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. When did that happen? After all those four things. It's when we got together. It's when we spent time together, received teaching and fellowship. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's powerful. That's what a church is. And that's what it can be when we all sink in and say, you know what, it's time to give a little more effort. Like, I'm disconnected because, well, I don't have time throughout the week. The only day I have is Sunday. Or, well, I've kind of got other priorities in life because I've put other things first. You know, I, I don't want to, I can't give that much time to that. And I understand work and I understand all that. I, I get it. Look, I used to do all that stuff. I don't work anymore. This isn't work. This is fun. I enjoy this. But here's the thing. is it, that I, I was there. We had kids. 
And we had kids in sports, in high school sports, in travel ball, in all those things, and we still had to make time to go, okay, we got to prioritize stuff. Like Sunday, church. And if there's anything else you plan on Sunday, no. It was that simple. We didn't do anything on Sundays except for church. And then throughout the week, it was we've got to prioritize and plan our schedule so that, so that we can have time to hit small groups and we can have time to be with people. Problem is, is we reprioritize things in our life. And we say, well, it's so important. I, I think I heard this this weekend. It was so good. It's, it's so important that our kids get to play every travel ball team because they're going to be the next professional baseball player. And if I don't let them do that, they're going to be way behind. So you, you spend half their life preparing them to play a sport that they might play for five years. And then they're lost because they have nothing else in them. They weren't taught how to follow the Lord. They weren't taught the word. They weren't taught anything else. But you thought that was so important. So you reprioritize things in your life to say, we don't have time to go to church. We don't have time to be with family. Problem is, is probably some of you are like us that we didn't have family. This is our family. And if you don't have family, this can be your family. And I see it all the time. When I look around the room, I see faces that people are sharing meals together all the time and doing life together. It's so awesome. That's what, that's what this is supposed to be. And you can't get that by watching online. I love you guys. <laughs> I know you're here sometimes. But if you have just tuned everything else out and say, I live at home, you're not in relationship with anybody, and that's dangerous. You have got to be in relationship with people. Just having him alone is not it. You can't do life alone. You need people to surround you, people to love you, people to be around you. And guess what? When you're in time of need, it, wouldn't it be nice to have family that can come alongside you and help take care of you? You know, I, we've seen it all in everything we do. I've, I've seen so many meal trains, and I've seen so many people with prayer. And, I mean, our prayer team is up here on Mondays just going at it for hours. I absolutely love it. Like, like they get in, and we're just praying for everybody, everything on the cross. Every, I mean, that comes because we're family. It comes because we really care about each other. Like, Jules and I care about every single one of you. If I see your face, I care about you. When I don't see you anymore for a while, I really care about you. And I want to know what's going on. And sometimes we reach out with a text message and never hear anything. And sometimes you just drive around and run into people. <laughs> or their driveway. <laughs> Randomly. <laughs> True story. <laughs> but surprise, they're here. <laughs> Not planned. <laughs> That's all Holy Ghost, though. That's how that works. He'll, he'll make it right. Hmm. But I believe that. I believe that fellowship needs to happen in a local church. See, you have a universal church. You can be part of the universal church. You can be a Christian, be part of the church, the wide, the, the church. I'm part of the church. When you get saved, give your life to Jesus and and follow him. You're part of a universal church that, that you're a brother and sister with people all throughout the world. That does not replace the local church. You have to have a local place that you call home that, that people can surround you with love and put their hands on you and pray for you and care for you. And you can come do that for other people. It's not just about you. You have gifts and talents and stuff that God brought to this place on purpose. You know, Charles Spurgeon says that some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude, but believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone. 
those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect. That they love to get together. Sheep go in flocks, and so do God's people. We're meant to be in flocks. We're meant to be together. We're meant to do life together. But you can't do that if you don't submit to that. <laughs> like, you have to say, sure, I can give a little bit more. I can give a little bit more of my time to get to know people. That's scary for some people, is to actually say, i got to let you into my life. And once again, it's probably because the only bit of family you have is the one that you had to grow up with. <laughs> You're like, I don't want you in my life. And I love my family, please. If you're watching again, <laughs> I love you. I really do. And this is nothing against you. We love you guys. Come to church. I won't love you more, but at least I'll see you more. Oh, I'm going to pay for that one. But here's the thing. You've got to take time out of the way, and you've got to attend small groups. You've got to attend worship nights, Bible studies, prayer night, Sunday services. Prioritize these things. You're going to get to know the people around you. And guess what? When things go wrong in your life, they're going to be right there, standing beside you. When things goes, goes right in your life, they're going to be cheering you on and celebrating with you. That's how it works. I got to see this little baby over here like, I don't know how many days, like four days after she was born. But I think Jules got to see her when? The day after. What a blessing. We were waiting on that. <laughs> I'm just telling you. But that's the love you get to share with other people when you actually commit to what a church family is all about. Okay? It's family. You know, we gotta, we got to remember that, 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 that we got to open our homes to others, invite people over for dinner and coffee. When's the last time you've done that? It's easy to do it on a small group, just randomly. Hey, you want to come on over, hang out, have some coffee, get to know each other? That's doing life together. That's when things get real. When you, when you intentionally spend time with people, you start understanding their life. You want to know what it's like to have like 20 kids running around? Go hang out with the Purdue's. And then pray for them. <laughs> Continuously. <laughs> Especially go over if you love kids. Because <laughs> they will love you back. But that's it. As a church family, we're devoted to one another. We take responsibility for each other. And man, we have these gifts, and I was trying to, I was going there that, that God gave us to serve each other. So Romans 12, I'm going to go to Romans 12, 4 through 18. I hope you don't mind me reading the Bible, because that's what this is all about. Welcome to church. All right. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. 
Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That's the church family. You want a good description of church family? Right there. Because God brought you here for a reason. And each and every one of you have this gift inside of you that's special. And you don't, you don't come to the family and not use the gift. You come to the family because he's blessed you with that gift to bless the people in the family. That's what this is. It's a family. So if you're not blessing people with your gift, or if you don't know your gift, please go to one of the Next Steps class. We teach giftings. But if you know what your gift is, it takes effort then to get out of your seat and say, I'm available. It takes commitment to say, I'm available. It takes sacrifice to say, I want to be used with the family. This is what I do. Just use me. This is what I can do. This is what I bring to the table. Is it a lot? Yes. But family is so important. Family is so important. You need to love those that are in the family. Live in peace with each other. You know, I got to go back to that one scripture. It says, bless those that persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. I don't know about the persecution, but uh, as a family... Somebody decided to steal the catalytic converters off the van again. They did it last year, too. So, Lord, bless them. Bless them, Lord. I'm buying some laser uh, targeting devices that we're now going to put on the church. <laughs> Touch something you're not supposed to. <laughs> bless them, Lord. But, yes, bless them. Just wanted to share that with you. And I'll be going to the trustees to get some new catalytic converters again. It's not even a good van, y'all. <laughs> but obviously the catalytic converters are really popular. Unbelievable. Get back on track. <laughs> so you need to truly love the people in the family. Caring for the family is a responsibility of the family. Not of the leadership of the church. You know, yeah, we're pastors. And we have pastors on staff and we have elders that are called to do wonderful things in the church. But it's just not our responsibility to take care of everybody in the church. It's your responsibility as a family to take care of each other. That's what we do. Not saying that I don't want to do that. But you got to get on my calendar. <laughs> it's a lot of people. But seriously, take care of each other. And what's awesome about that and not awesome about that is we do, we have a large group of people that love to take care of each other. And it's the same people all the time. And I know there's other people that have the same capabilities that can do the same thing. 
Sometimes it's just you don't know, and I get that. And sometimes it's you just don't care. And sometimes it's I just don't have time. So I understand that. But if we all piece all that together, we can find time for each person and fill an entire schedule of trying to take care of people and and bless people and be with people. And you just have to do a little tiny part of it. We're not asking you to serve 30 days a month by just praying for somebody. We're just asking you to tell us when you're available so we can you can use your gift in a church to bless people in the church. So belonging to this family means calling a church home, taking responsibility to ensure the health and growth of those in this family. So as a whole, we need to serve each other. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. Man, when people are hurting, you help them with love. Why? Because you have freedom. (laughs) You were brought up out of something, and you have freedom, and now you can either sit there and just thank the Lord all the time, or you can turn around and help somebody else up. And you serve them with love. That's why our T-shirts, Weston, you just talking? I'm just messing with you. Stand up. <laughs> See a shirt? Serve one another with love. That, that, that's, that's, our, that's our serve shirt, right? You know how these teens, you know how the teens got their shirts? They served during the XO conference. Not just served. You can sit down now. Everybody loves you. Okay. They didn't just serve. Like, they came in, and they literally were like waiters and cleaning up and vacuuming and checking people in and making coffee. That was your students. That was your teenagers in here making sure their parents could get what they needed. That's powerful, y'all. That's powerful. That's why it's important you read the Scripture, because that's what it tells us to do, and that's what they're doing. that's why it's all in there when people hurt we we help them when they grieve we grieve with them we celebrate with them when they're sick we take care of them you know we do meal trains i know there's a women's page that manages all that and i know wanarine's involved that and and jules she's you know she's a point of contact for that and if you've ever been sick and we knew about it like here's my biggest problem with this (laughs) if you're part of family and you get sick you need to tell somebody But if we're really doing life together, it should be pretty easy because I'm probably texting you every day or calling you and you go, man, I'm not feeling good. Then the next call is to the church or to somebody to say, hey, they're not feeling good. They're sick. They need some help. And then all of a sudden, we've got a bunch of ladies and a bunch of people that are willing to go, let's make some food for everybody. But you know, the biggest complaint we get is I was sick and nobody did anything. And I go, who'd you tell? Well, well, who are you doing life with? I mean, do you serve on a team? Are you involved in a small group? Like, like, where are you connected so that we knew that you were sick? Because we've got a big database, y'all. I could randomly try to text, you know, 100 people a day. But if you're connected, people know. And then as a family, once we know about a problem, we take care of it. We don't let the problem exist. We try to do the best we can to help out in any way. But that's what that meal, and I love the people in the meal train. What's cool about that is anybody can do that. You're like, yeah, I can't cook. Go buy something. $5 pizzas, Little Caesar. 
The whole point is so that the person doesn't have to get out of bed and go try to make something to eat. And they don't have to worry about the stress of that when their kids are there, or their kids are sick too. The point is we take care of each other because we're family. Where else are you going to get it? That's what church, this is church relationship, y'all. This is why we do this. This is why this is so important that we become family and not just a place where you show up on a Sunday. So we love and we encourage each other. That's another thing. We're supposed to encourage each other. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Is that the right scripture? I was like, if so, I'm reading the wrong thing. I'll read it again. You just listen. Short scripture. Hebrews 3.13. Be encouraged by one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. <laughs> Thank you, Holly. But it's so awesome. You know, you know, encourage people. Be an encouragement to people. This is every day. You know, I had somebody come up to me at the marriage conference and encourage me. They didn't want to, but they did because they obeyed, (laughs) which is absolutely awesome because it changed my perspective on a lot of things. I've been taught it's this easy. You know, if you're driving down a road and somebody pops in your mind, guess what? You give them a call. If God puts it on your heart, somebody, and you start thinking about them, call them. That's the encouragement. The encouragement is, hey, how you doing, brother? How's things going? You've been on my heart. I did that leaving. It was like 10 o'clock at night on Friday, driving home. God put a, a, a friend of mine on my heart, and I texted him, and he responded back. When can we get together? I'm like, see, that's what I need. We need to talk. Yeah, we do. And it wasn't like, hey, God told me you were doing something. No, I was just like, bro, you're on my heart for some reason. Like, I'm thinking about you. And I'm praying for you as I'm driving down the street. And I don't know why. So guess what? I'm reaching out to you. And I want you to know I'm praying for you. Because it's that important. How many times has that happened to you where God put somebody on your heart and you don't do anything with it? You tuck it in your back pocket. like, when I see them, I'll tell them. See, that's God speaking through you. To say, reach out and talk to somebody. Because they probably need to hear from you. That's what family does. That's what family does. So Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Now you can throw that one up. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So here, we're supposed to motivate one another into acts of love and good works, but we're also supposed to do what? Meet together. We're supposed to gather. We're supposed to get together and do life together. Not just Sunday. This isn't life. Like, invite some, it's okay if somebody comes over and, and sees that you're, you didn't dust this week absolutely okay because when you have adult kids with kids you just walk in shaking your head (laughs) you're like 
whatever. Everything we taught you, out the door. But it's so true, it doesn't matter. But see, we get so caught up with what's going on in our house and how things look that, that we're just like, ah, why don't you come back later? No, I think I need to be here now. We need to do life together now. I will say when we interrupted the one couple at their house, <laughs> they invited us in. <laughs> we were, we we're actually on a mission. We just, it worked. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But this is it. This is, this is what I'm talking about when we say doing life together and meeting together. That's why we have small groups. You know, and, and that's why we have church services and prayer nights. But, but it's the small groups. That, this is what I love about this. So that's why small groups are supposed to be done in your home. It's more intimate, get people over to the house. We have some small groups that are just too big to do there. That becomes a ministry, not a small group. But the point is, is that people communicate better in a smaller group of people. It gives you more time to talk to people individually. It gets you time to get to know them. Okay, it, it gives them a reason to come. You know how many people I've talked to from a small group that I got to know real well? Because they came to shoot a gun, and they didn't realize they were going to come and sit down and talk about Jesus? <laughs> we looked at guns once. No, I'm just messing with you. Got guns and gravy. We really do shoot. Show up. But here's the thing. You get to meet so many people in a small group environment and pour into them. Now, is that the way it should be? No, we shouldn't have to create opportunities for you to get together. That should be a natural function within a family. Everybody says there shouldn't be cliques in church. Well, there should be. <laughs> I'd rather you be circled up with 10, 12 people in a church that are absolutely doing life together, and I know you're healthy because you're working and walking together, than a whole bunch of people sitting by themselves in a church because we all can't get together in someone's house. That's not a clique. It's just closeness. You, you, you find within a family who you meet with and, and connect with, and that's okay. That's okay, but that's what family does. Doing life together brings compassion. Brings about people knowing you at a deeper level. You get to see the struggles. You get to see all that stuff. And that's okay. We're supposed to communicate that. We can't help if we don't know what's going on. God didn't design us to be loners in our Christian walk. You're in this to be part of a family part of a flock so he wants you to be part of the local body he wants you to be part of the local church and in a local church there's authority and leadership in the family that's why this is a family you have leadership in your family in a church we have leadership and authority in the family right so hebrews 13 17 says obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say their works their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. You have spiritual leaders in this house. Pastors in this house. Elders in this house. You have apostle in the house. Man, we are being held accountable to God for you. So when we come to you to try to correct you or give you advice or counseling, we're doing it out of love. Period. It's love. Receive it. Accept it. Understand it. Why? Because we love you because you're family. 
If we didn't love you, we wouldn't care. We'd just let it go. We'd let it pass. But this is why we do marriage counseling. Jules and I love doing marriage counseling. Why? Because that's our story, y'all. <laughs> We've walked out marriage counseling. <laughs> 101. 201. I think we got a doctorate in walking out <laughs> issues. Yeah, a doctorate in issues. But here's the thing. That's why we do that. Why do we do premarital counseling? Not because we want you to hold on to get married. We do it because we want you to, to take the right steps because we love you and we care about you and want you to do it right. We don't want you to deal with the same pain that we dealt with. That's all out of love. Financial counseling. Man, we can give financial counseling. Why? Because you shouldn't have to struggle financially. But this is what family does. We have people in our family that are experts at this. They, they really understand financial counseling. And they can help you. Like, they can walk you through things. But, but if we don't share that, hey, I'm struggling financially, then nobody can help you financially. If you don't share that you're struggling in your marriage, we can't help you with your marriage because you're not drawn close enough to people for them to realize you're struggling in your marriage. Or every time you're around us on Sunday, it's easy to put the smile on and go, everything's great. Our life is awesome. Then you walk out and it's turmoil. We don't have to be that strong. You don't have to put on a facade of who you are in a family. You know, to come to church, people like to dress up, look nice, all that stuff. When you're with family, you show up in your pajamas. Like, you know your family when people are just like T-shirt, pajamas, like, hey, come on into the house and so-and-so in the morning. Check it out. <laughs> to me, that's family. So it's nice to, to dress up and look at them. I'm not saying that. Please don't come in your pajamas. What I'm saying, though, is, is that's family. It's okay to see the bad side. It's okay to display. You know, we are not perfect. There, if you're perfect in here, please go home now. See you, see you Mike. <laughs> he said one thing, all service. <laughs> I love you, Mike. <laughs> so spiritual counseling. Man, I'm telling you, we do it all. But we do it out of love. And that's, what, that's why you have leadership in the church. Because you still have to have guidance, and, and somebody's got to be responsible to, to, to herd the sheep. <laughs> right? This is, this is you know, a bunch of sheep going everywhere. So being family means we carry each other burdens. It's big. Galatians 6, 1, 3. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly or spiritual should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help somebody, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. I love it. You're not that important to think that you can't help somebody. That you're not... You're, you, they, they, you can't lean down far enough to help somebody else up. It says, share the burdens. And how do you do it? Gently and humbly. I, I hear about church hurt all the time. We've never been part of church hurt. Thank you, Jesus. 
We, we have to have people define it when they tell us, well, I've been over here because I was church hurt over there. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, does, does it mean you did something wrong and they, they were mean to you? Does it mean that somebody lied to you? Does it mean you got your feelings hurt and you got offended so you just left? I, I don't know what that means. So if you come to me, I'm not picking on you. Come just be honest with us. This is what church hurts means. <laughs> we were church hurt. Whatever that is. We're supposed to humbly help people on the right path. We don't beat them down and leave them where they're struggling. That's not family. I don't, I don't know about you, but I can't get rid of my real family. <laughs> Doesn't matter what they do, you don't leave them somewhere. They're always alongside you, tagging along. But we love them. That's what we do. So a church family should be the same way. Doesn't matter. We're here to pick people up help people out and walk this thing out walk out family walk out you know being in his presence walk out doing what he wants us to do see family accepts who you are and carries your burdens with you isn't that awesome someone should have told that to my brother when I was younger because all we did was beat each other up (laughs) come on But here's the thing, you believe that with the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. See, here's the thing, that the devil does not want to see a church thriving on relationship. If he can get us so focused on somebody else's sin, we're not looking at Christ. We're, our eyes aren't focused on him because we're going, well, that person did that, and that person did that, and that person did that. When the whole time we're supposed to be going, I know what you did. I know what you did, Lord. I know what you got me out of. I'm so thankful for that. Oh, somebody tripped? Come on. Let's thank the Lord. Like, let, 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 get up. Let's go. Like, we, we know where that is. But when we're focused on everybody else, right, we're not focused on him. And now the enemy can come in and destroy a church. That's not what this family is about. And that's not what we're going to be about. We just love people. If you're struggling, you got to let us know. Because we want to love you through it. Because you're part of the family. God brought you here for a reason. You need to understand that. Like, people think they just show up randomly. God predetermined all this a long time ago. And he says, you're here for a reason. You just have to accept it and say, this is family now. And let's do this thing called life. And let's go all in with every bit of effort. Because I'll tell you, Jules and I, as shepherds, we love our sheep. I am so thankful for you all. You ground us, you humble us, you just, we, we, we are so thankful that we get to be part of your lives. We love this. This is truly what we love to do. Is it tiring sometimes? Yes. If I don't answer your call after the second ring, I've blocked you. I'm just messing. <laughs> messing with you. I'm, we're always there. Okay, we're always there. Always there. We love each and every one of you. But here's the thing. Here's what I know. I can't make you come out and be part of the family. I can't. I can talk about it. It's up to you to put the effort in. All the relationships take effort. So it takes you to come out and put the effort into the relationship to say, I'm willing to go a little bit deeper, get to know people a little bit more, get to be part of the family just a little bit more. And as you do that, you actually find a love for that. And then all of a sudden you start seeing people wrap their arms around you uh, 
and just love on you. And here's, here's you know, I believe, you know, I'm not going to read the parable of the sheep, but I believe some sheep do wander off, and you have to go get them. As a shepherd, that's your job. There are some sheep that run off. I can, I can tell you a story about our goats. They're not sheep, but they're goats. I think they're in the same family. We had pet goats for about a week. And I left the gate a little cracked, and they got out and took off across the field 100 miles an hour. I didn't go after them. So and, and my, my point of view with that and what I'm trying to get across, there's some people that will leave this family and have left this family, and they went running. I can't chase you all down. But the Bible says those that have wandered off. Which wandering means you're just not paying attention. Wandering means your eyes aren't on the Lord and you're just kind of walking around a little bit and all of a sudden you look around and you're like, oh, where am I? I have wandered off. This is not where I intended to be. This is not what I intended on doing. But now I'm wandering and I don't know where my help is. And I don't know where my family is. And I don't know how to get back. But see, that's why God gave you shepherds. That's why God gave you pastors so that we can go out and get the one. Leave the 99, go get the one. Matthew 18, 12 through 14. It says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hill and go and search for the one that is lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. And the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Not one of them. He says he goes after him. Luke actually says that he leaves them and then picks up the lost sheep and puts it on his shoulders and carries it back. It doesn't even make it walk. It doesn't say he gets behind it and hits it with a cane, kicks it, tells it how bad it is. He picks it up, wraps it around his neck, and carries the sheep home. Brings the sheep where? Back to the flock. But now it's the flock's job when you bring the sheep back. The flock helped take care of the sheep. The, the flock's like, thank you for coming back. Like, Jimmy, keep your eye on them. <laughs> like, so, somebody keep an eye on that one. They're a little out there. <laughs> Stay in contact. Keep talking. Verify everybody's okay. But that's what we have to do as a family. So when you see somebody just wander off, you go get them. And I'm serious, I can't be the only one to do that. If you see somebody wandering, you go get them. Invite them back. Say, we have a family that's, that's waiting for you. Because what happens is after a while, they just think they're not wanted. That's not it. But when it's one person trying to do it, or a couple people trying to do it, could you imagine if we had, what, 150-some people going, let's go get them. Let's go get them. And let's bring them home, and let's put them with the family, and let's take care of them. Because that's what we do as a family. So that's our number one thing. And in this family, when you struggle, our number one goal is to get you and take care of you. Not judge you. Not cut our losses. Not kick you to the curb. We go find the sheep. And we have a responsibility to bring you back. And you have a responsibility to put in effort to get healed. 
You have to put the effort in. You have to say, I'm willing to do that. But we get to wrap our arms around you. That's our commitment to you as a family. Because I don't know how many places you can go where you can walk away and they'll just keep coming after you. I can tell you this family's going to keep coming after you. Okay? And we're going to bring you home. But at some point, you're going to have to take responsibility to say, I, I need to work on some stuff. I need to get better at this. To be strengthened takes responsibility, and you have to put in the effort. So you have to be willing to receive the advice and put the advice that's given you into action. That's how family works. You know, that's how leadership in family works. My dad used to tell me so many things when I was young. Didn't matter. I go do it until I hurt myself, and he goes, I told you so. And he wasn't doing it just to tell me what to do. He did it because he loved me. But then he realized sometimes you just got to, you know, fall on your face. <laughs> Figure it out. So this is what we offer you as a family. In this relationship, this is what we're offering you as a family, is a group of people that are with you through thick or thin, whether you're on a hilltop or in a valley, whether you're whole or whether you're broken. We, as a family, as a church, say we're there for you. So your job is to decide if you want to be part of the family or not. Your, your job is to say, do I want that in my life? Do I want those relationships in my life? Do I want to allow that kind of accountability into my life? That kind of trust in my life where I can actually trust people with what's going on so they can pour into me. Because here's the thing, the devil's going to continue to try to tear us apart. And sometimes he forces his way in and sometimes we just open the door and let him in. But he ain't going to stop. We have to get stronger as a family, take care of our own to keep them away. But that's all with accountability. What I love, though, is that, that God always wants to use that for the good. Genesis 50, 20 says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I can save the lives of many people. What the devil meant for evil, God will use for good. Our marriage, which the devil meant for evil, what we were going through and everything we dealt with, when we submitted to God and said yes to God, he says, I'm going to use it for the good. Because, But we had to say yes to that. We had to put effort into that. We had to put work into that. But we could never take our eyes off the prize, which was him. Because once he pulls you out, man, you feel that love. You, feel, you don't want to go back. But you always know your way back, <laughs> which is really cool. So our testimonies are going to save so many people. Your testimony is going to save so many people if you actually use it the way God wants you to use it in the family. But it's a process, and it's a good process, and it's God. Last bit of scripture is that in a church family, when someone has a fault with you or offends you, you need to apply scripture to it. Colossians 3:13 through 14 says, "Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others." So I assume that's where a lot of church hurt comes comes from is that that you're not willing to forgive people that offended you. I'll put the blame right back on you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't mean to offend you, but I'm pretty sure you didn't feel like forgiving them for the offense either. So we make room for faults in this house. We're not going to be selfish by putting 
putting our needs over everybody else's. So what's the key to all this? The key to make all this happen? How do we, how do we love like him? How do we live like him? And how, how do we get through the valleys? How do we keep doing his will? It all comes out of Psalm 105.4. It says, look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Look to the Lord and his strength and seek his face always. Every decision, every relationship, everything we do as a family, we seek him. Seek his face always. And Jules and I, we are blessed to be part of this family. We are so blessed and we love this. We, we, we don't just talk love, we do love. And we don't want that to be just a, a cliche statement. It needs to be lived out in everything we do. And now as a church, as a church as a whole, we get, we get an opportunity right now to display love. We get to be the church that sets the standard for other people to say, that's what family is all about. That's what we get to do. And we're going to prove to them that this can be done. This is the right way to do it. We get to prove what true love is. So I'll be honest with you. Thursday, I got notified Thursday that one of our daughters in Christ, one of our daughters on staff, was struggling, dealing with stuff, going through stuff, hurt, pain. personal issues stuff that requires counseling and help because of that we have to take care of it the right way because of that I stepped her down from the position because she needs help but because of that we're going to wrap our arms around her and we're going to love her through her valley that's what we're going to do because that's what you do as family she needs love. She needs healing. She needs restoration. She's going to get love from this family. This family is going to love on her. She needs healing. She's going to get that through counseling because we're going to make sure she has the appropriate counseling she needs. She's going to get restored that way. You know how she's going to get restored? Through accountability. She's going to get accountability because we're moving her into our house. Family doesn't leave family. Family wraps your arms around family. Look, a daughter's a daughter. I went through stuff with my daughter. I don't care how bad my, my biological daughter has ever done things. I love her. And I will always be there for her. And this is no different. We're going to wrap our arms around her. We're going to love her. We're going to walk her through her valley. We're going to lift her up in prayer. Man, and guess what? We're going to watch her be restored. We're going to watch the grace of God work out in a church the way it's supposed to work out. And we're going to watch how God uses her in a mighty, mighty way to change lives, to reach people that other people couldn't reach. But the one thing we're not going to do is give up. We're not going to give up. So we're going to walk. It's going to be a process. But we're going to walk it out. 
and she has a love for elders and her staff members and her worship team family and everybody else just everybody in this church just wrapping her up and loving on her that's how we're going to do this we're going to pray a lot and she has to do her part she's going to have to it's work she's going to put in effort but she's going to do it because God's going to love her through it and that's how we do that What I want to do is as a family, to prove how much we love her, I want to invite her up and I want to invite everybody to come up and pray. I want to invite everybody to come up, lay hands on her as we pray for her and we pray for healing. Brother Bo, do you got something to say before we do this? There's a mic somewhere. Uh. For the last few days, I've just really sat down on the beginning of Galatians chapter 1, verse 3. I just want to read to you because it, it needs to be heard. In verse 3, and it's in New King James, if you can put it up there, Brother Rick. I don't know if you can do that. No? <laughs> All right. Okay, well, I'm going to read it to you. Y'all just listen. This is Paul giving an introduction to the church in Galatians and uh it's just real simple. It says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. This, that, that is, in just a few short words, that is the gospel. Now listen, y'all listen. Let me speak before y'all start clapping. Just listen to it again, okay? Grace, which also can be said is power. Grace and power. Peace is, is to you. It's to us. This is the will of God, our Father, that power and peace flow to us. He has no other intention. And he says right here that Jesus, and how is that manifested? What is grace? What does peace look like manifested? It's Jesus coming to die for our sins. That is what it looked like. That was the action of what he, he says right here. And why did Jesus come? Not just to pay for our sin, but what is the result of him paying for us for our sins? Is that we will be delivered. And what are we delivered from? Not this world and we make it to heaven. We're delivered from this present evil age. We're delivered right now in the world we stay in. We're not waiting for a rapture to get free from all of hell. No, we are intended by the will of God to be delivered right now. And so if you're in here and you're under that lie that there is no deliverance for you and your only, your only hope is to hurry up and die one day so you can go to glory, so you can finally be free, you have accepted the lie of hell that God sent His Son to set us free from. There is a deliverance for, for us in this present day. And we should never allow ourselves to receive the lie of hell that says that is not the truth. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is that we are delivered from this present evil age. And that happens when we believe in Jesus and he pays the price that we owe for our sin. Man, we need to hear this because why? Because it says right here, this is the will of God our Father. It's his will that we live delivered. Not when we're with him in eternity forever. Not just beginning then, right now. 
And we need to understand that because when we believe and understand the truth, that becomes power activated in us. When we don't think that's a reality, you're never going to lay hold of that in faith. You're never going to believe, I don't have to live in this. I don't have to submit to it no more. But when you begin to actually believe that God's will for your life is for you not to be bound up by hell when you walk out of this building, every time the devil comes to throw those chains back on you that Jesus broke, you can just look him in the face and say, that is not who I am anymore. Those don't have any power over me anymore. I am delivered from this privilege. I'm delivered from your life. And that's what we're doing. That's what's happening right now. We're reminding our family as a whole and we're reminding one of our daughters, no, you're, you're, you were born again to be delivered. Not cope, not learn how to exist with, with pain and hell and suffering. You were born again to be delivered. And so that's what we're doing. And I just wanted to share that with you because we need to hear that. Because so many people slip in and slip out every week. And they just learn to cope and deal and, and, and just hide what they're really going through on the inside. And, they, and it's because they believe there's just no, there's no chance for them to be free from that. It's the will of God that you're free. It's such the will of God that he sent his son to make that reality. Man, we, need, we should be aggressive about how much we believe that. I mean, we need, to, we need to stomp every live hell that comes upon us and tries to make us believe that's not for us. Come on. I got the fancy headset. So here's the thing. As a family, that's what we're going to do. We're going to surround her with love. We're not going to judge. We're just going to love. And because of this family and because of what I'm asking you to do, She's going to walk through this. She's going to walk through it because you guys are willing to walk through it with her. All right? So let's gather around. Come on, let's pray. If I could have people lay hands on as a family. Come on. Come on, Father. Yes, Lord. Holy is your name. You are so holy. Oh, we need you, Jesus. Father.